G'day and welcome to another episode of Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. When you've spent 18 years at the highest level of any sport, one thing is clear, you must be one of the very best in the game. And Sydney's Tani Lovering is just that. Hooked on the game of baseball from the age of six, Tani instantly fell in love with catching. Selected to make a national championships debut with New South Wales at the age of 16 as a bullpen catcher, in a simply Cinderella story, just six months later, Tani found herself in the green and gold of Australia and one of the youngest players at the 2004 Women's World Series and Women's World Cup. Since 2004, Tani has amassed one of world baseball's most stunning resumes, including seven World Cups for Australia, winning a silver and a bronze medal, selected to the 2016 All-World Team, plus a host of national titles with New South Wales. But between all the list of the accolades is one of the most inspirational stories of hard work and fierce determination. Tani discusses with me her start in the sport, setbacks, fightbacks, her favourite memories, and just how she has spent 18 years at the top in what has to be one of the most brutal positions in all of world sport. Full disclosure, I did put her on the spot by asking her to name the best pitcher she has ever caught to. And I fully appreciate the magnitude of this question days later after she has messaged me dozens of times asking me to read a long list of names of people she didn't say. So that's on me and I apologise to everybody she has ever caught to. It was an absolute privilege to share the field with Tani at multiple national championships as a rival in the battles of Victoria versus New South Wales and also at multiple World Cups for Australia. So it's an honour to share her story with you today. Enjoy. Tani Lovering, welcome to Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. Thank you, Amac. Pleasure to be here. I, well, Bit of a throwback, us two. <laughs> it is, I know. I feel like we're in the same room. It feels like 2010-2012 World Cup. <laughs> if only, mate. I know. Uh, so where am I talking? I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Where am I talking to you today? So I've come from uh, Sydney, Australia, and that's where I'm currently residing in. I've just built a, a new house, so I'm out here. It's a nice hot day today. We've just had a big storm, but it's still quite humid. Um, so I'm, yeah, located Sydney, Australia. Nice. And I think most of us, even if we're in or out of the game, where we are, we have baseball in the day. Have you got baseball in your day? Apart from this podcast? Apart from the podcast, um, yes, what did I do to get baseball in my day? So I had work all day today, but um, in between work and the gym, I was actually on Instagram looking at some Jerry Weinstein catching videos in regards to receiving and things like that. Of course that. you were. <laughs> of course I was. <laughs> <laughs> when you can't get out to the field, that's a, that's a nice thing to be able to do. And there's always new stuff, like new things that you can expose yourselves to. That, that Some of the catching, um, I think I've spoken to you about it before, um, AMAC and, and some of the junior catchers, some of the catching, I mean, not that all of them would be reputable, but some of the catching um, pages that there are and some of the information and the videos that they do in slow-mo that um, you wouldn't have the opportunity to see otherwise, it's they're unbelievable. It's really awesome. Yeah, and we'll get to some of your catching stuff later, but I mean, it's you can't not say like, I know, I, I know no one wants to ever be in a lockdown situation, but I think being in lockdown in this generation is probably a lot easier than if we were in lockdown 15 years ago because you could just sit I know, online yeah. and watch. Yeah, we take it for granted. I mean, the amount of things that we had the opportunity to do during lockdown compared to, yeah, mm. 20 years ago, what, like, that's, I think, yeah, we're, we're pretty lucky in that mm. sense. Now, 20 years ago, we'll take you back. We'll take you back <laughs> further than 20 years ago. Um, you're a kid growing up in Western Sydney, am I right? Yes, yep. Baseball, how, why? 
So, um, I mean, I've always had my, my family's quite sporty um, in terms of always been quite active. Um, and my dad was a national swimmer. My brother grew up playing rugby league. So we always used to be playing something in the backyard. Um, my mum was always encouraged of physical activity and just that sort of, we just, just were like that. But in regards to baseball specifically, um, I had a flyer go around my primary school, like a handout flyer for baseball um, for our local team, which is the Bly Park Mutineers. And I think I'd seen it on TV, seen some movies, and I said to mum, I want to play that. That's what I want to play. Um, it's interesting later, though, um, my mum's dad, so my grandfather, um, I never got to meet him, passed away before um, I was able to meet him, but he actually played baseball for Malvin, I believe it was. Malvin, yeah. In Victoria. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we actually have one or two photos of him. Um, and I be- from what we can work out, he was a pitcher because mum says she remembers him. He'd be out in the backyard doing this pitching motion, this big wind-up, and they used to get the giggles as kids as he'd be out in the backyard doing that. So perhaps it was in the blood from the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you're saying that we could have actually potentially had you as a Victorian. Have you got Victorian? Oh, I don't know about that. I'm not going to go that far. I'm New South Wales through and through. But <laughs> no, I think I just heard you got Victorian blood. Don't, mi- s- don't misquote me on that, please. Gra- oh. <laughs> there will be a lawsuit involved. <laughs> This is, a, this is a game changer, man, literally. Um, um, so how old was that when you started? So I was six. So yep. playing t-ball, um, even from a young age, I was I was the catcher. I wanted to be a catcher. And even if it was just putting the ball back on the stand, that was my job. That's what I wanted to be every week. Um, I had a lovely coach who, even though in t-ball age, generally they switched around quite a bit. No, I was still catcher every week somehow. Um but yeah, I mean, I still got friends from that Bly Park Mutineers team that I've grown up with, and they've, they've become family friends. Um, that yeah, I mean, they they stopped playing sort of after junior baseball, but it's yeah, that's where it all began. And baseball is obviously, a, particularly back then, it's not an obvious choice for girls to play and catch up. Mm-hmm. I mean, here you go, hey, let me play baseball and let me chuck on all this gear and stand behind in what I believe is the hardest position on a field. When did that, when did you just go, yeah, I want to do that. That looks awesome. <laughs> Again, literally since I was six, it was always catcher. Um, whether I'd seen it um, potentially like League of Their Own and Dottie Henson, that sort of thing, perhaps was the original inspiration. But I just fell in love with the position. I mean, back then it was just you put the helmet on. Um, I'm not sure if they wear a mask. I, don't, I think they still just put a helmet on or maybe a mask if they're behind the team now. But back then it was just a batter's helmet if you're the catcher. Um and yeah, I fell in love with the position and uh, I suppose as I got older, it was kind of, I couldn't really play any other <laughs> position. They'd stick me at third and I'd just be blocking balls or knocking balls down. Uh, my glove work wasn't the best in that sense of fielding balls. But um, yeah, so I, literally since six years old, it's always been catcher for me. And what was it about it? Yeah, I couldn't tell you what it was at that time, to be honest. Um, as I got older, I fell in love with it for different reasons. As a six-year-old, I couldn't tell you, but as I got older, it was definitely, I suppose, the grittiness of it um, and the hard work required of it. Um, I really loved that sort of, the fact, I mean, people always say, yes, you're involved in every play, which you are, and I absolutely love that as well, but I really love, I suppose, yeah, the, the grittiness of it and the, the tenacity mm. required um, within the catching position, really, mm. yeah. And so you're six, and you jo- it's interesting because you joined, you started playing baseball around the time that women's baseball leagues were starting around the country, which I find mm. interesting. Mm. Um, and so you've got the women's league starting, you, you continue through, the Australian team comes around, 2000, nationals and women's teams come around 2000. Mm-hmm. When did you start getting, I guess, the sight of women's baseball and going, oh, hang on, this is a thing? Yep. So I played um, 
throughout juniors, I'd play like under 12s um, for, for Hills representative. Um, there were some girls tournaments that were going around that would be led by um, either New South Wales Baseball or Junior New South Wales Baseball, I should say. And then come under 16s, uh, I made a, there was an under 16s New South Wales state team. Um, coached by John Yard at the time, who's still um, existing in, in junior New South Wales baseball. Um, so there was an under-16 state team, women's, girls only, um, and we played some we played some tournaments against um, other other areas, not so much other states, but other areas. We played against in boys' tournaments. We used to train regularly sometimes, even when we didn't have tournaments. It was more of a development program. Um, I suppose that's when... I got more involved in girls' teams, but I continued playing boys' teams throughout that time still. Um, and right up into adulthood, where I continued playing in the men's state league. But it was around sort of 16 when I started, um, and 15, I should say, uh, 14, 15, where I started playing in the women's, uh, the women's league. We used to play on a Friday night, New South Wales Women's mm. League. But I do remember even before uh, starting that, like when I was probably 14, 15, I'd been playing in the state team and I really loved it. And then that was kind of ending. Um, I suppose my age for that was kind of ending. And I kind of said to mum, I suppose it was my age at the time. And I said to mum at the time, um, oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to play anymore, like baseball anymore sort of thing. Like I enjoyed it, but I'm not sure if I'm going to play anymore. And that's, I suppose, sometimes happens during teenage years. And mum actually said, I think you should keep playing. And Praise the Lord. Thank Bless the Lord. Carol, to this day that she I did. Kaz, <laughs> thank the Lord that she did because I, my best memories in my life are, are from baseball. Uh, um, some of my best memories in my life are from baseball. So it's, I'm glad that she didn't just let me go, oh, no, nah, I'm not going to play. Like, I'm so thankful now that she said, no, I think you should keep playing. And it wasn't like, oh, I don't, I don't really don't want to. It was kind of like, oh, I'm just thinking, you know, I don't want to. She said, no, I think you should. And again, I'm just beyond grateful that she did do that because the experiences that I've had from baseball and the memories and just the enrichment that I've gotten from it have been some of the best of my life. So I'm so thankful for that. So it's just an interesting thought that sometimes, um, yeah, that's that extra push. And again, it wasn't anything over the top or anything excessive, yeah. but just has gone, no, I think you should keep playing. So yeah, that's really cool. So I'm really thankful for mum for that in that okay, sense. Okay, so I'm going to send your mum a thank you card. I think we all yeah. need to. But it's ama- <laughs> it's amazing that because I remember my dad, I, I watched League of Their Own, I was watching the Braves. Yeah, and I yeah. said, I, I want to play. And I didn't I, yeah. I didn't go, I want to play. I mean, I was like, you, you play, I played everything. And then yeah. little did I know, my dad was already in the bedroom on the phone ringing all these clubs and it took him about 10 clubs because I grew up in Sydney. Yeah. And he found me a club and I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> and I was like, I guess I'm it's, playing baseball. <laughs> it's amazing the um, having a, a good support system. And I had a great supportive mm. mum, dad, brother um, that that can really provide in terms of obviously um, just life in general. But I think especially sporting um, capabilities. I mean, I used to have, um, I'd be out. My brother would always train me in terms of if I want to do any fitness. My mum, sometimes if fields were washed out or I didn't have training, she'd be out the backyard or we'd go down a park, she'd be throwing me blocking practice. Um, but I think, yeah, support systems are um, a big, big part of who you are as a person and, and a player in terms of, um, I mean, I, again, they're very supportive, but they're tough mm. as well in a, in a good way. Um, and I think that's really important, yeah. They were never sort of um, a family to, I suppose, um, prop me up unnecessarily in terms of oh you're good you're good it was never like yep. that it was more let's work hard um and I mean Brooke Shields um and myself always used to joke uh, as adults I should say more so as a kid it was a little bit different but as an adult um if we'd have a club ball game 
Brooke Shields and I always used to joke because her father's quite the same in that um, if we'd done something on the field, a bit average or something, we'd be like, oh, no, we have to get in the car with our parents now. And they weren't brutal, but my mum would be like, oh, what was that when you when you did this? I'm like, I know mum, thanks mum. Like, it's, you know what I mean? So she was never like, oh, you're good, you're good, any of that stuff. It was always, oh, you know, when you do something wrong, what was that sort of thing? <laughs> I don't think I could come from a family telling me that um, – yeah, something that you're not or propping you up unnecessarily. I think it's really good to stay grounded and, and to push you in that mm. sense. And look, the support system, I guess you would have you had that early, but you would have, did you need that? I'm, I'm looking at you. I'm going to, I'm going to ring it, bring it out. Sorry, sorry for the freaking noise. It's a printed program. This shows just how old Tani and I are. Uh, <laughs> I know I'm older than you. I think they still do printed programs, do they not? Like, I don't think it's that archaic, surely. Okay, maybe maybe we haven't ate without an aging. <laughs> it's been a couple of nationals since I've been to, so we might have to get some I think we need an app quickly. Um, this is lovely. It's got a yellow cover, and I went through this today. So this is 2004. This was your nationals debut? Debut, yes. So it's very interesting. I'm going through the rosters from all the teams. Yourself and Shay Lily White. Are the only only two active players on the national squad. Yeah, from right. This. So this was my yep. this was my third nationals and yep. Two thousand and four, you're sixteen. Sixteen, and here you yep. go, starting catcher of the New South Wales team at women's national. wasn't wasn't quite that simplistic, <laughs> but um, so I'd been playing in the women's league on a Friday night, um, being playing quite well and really loving it. Like um, I became obsessed um at that point um in terms of I knew all the players within the league. Um, I knew all the state players. I knew their stats from past nationals. (laughs) Um, I knew Victoria's and some, like, for example, when I went to my first nationals and I was catching, there'd be players coming up and I was reading that because I didn't know them by face. This was pre-Facebook. This was pre-photos. No, not (laughs) photos, but this is pre-Facebook where you'd see people's faces and know who they are. So I just knew them by name. So... Players like, um, I remember Emma Binks, Sam Hamilton, um, Simone Wern coming up to, like on the mound or coming up to, to, to the plate while I was catching. I'd be reading their last names going, oh, my God, this is such and such. She hit such and such last year. Like in my mind, like I'd read up online um, about stats from the nationals before, like the past oh, three worse nationals. Than me. So, oh, I don't know about that, mate. <laughs> I think you still take me. But um, so, yeah, I'm going a little bit off tangent, but I'd um, played in the – the Women's League, um, New South Wales Women's League on a Friday night. And um, we'd had state trials and I'd gone to state trials. Um, our team was stacked um, back then. I remember the 2003 uh, Nationals no, League I forget, won, I forget was that in nationals. Perth. <laughs> <laughs> Funny that. So 2003 Nationals New South Wales had won. I believe there were shorter fences. Yeah, two, Sep- I mean, still 270? 270 fences, I think it was. Yeah. We had some big boppers, Kez Sheehan, Katie Gaynor. It was pre-Ange. Ange joined – Ange Catford was my 2004 year. But, yeah, we had some big boppers. You do, and, look, we like to complain because you hit the short home runs. But the thing is we could hit the short home runs too. That's right. It's, think, it's there for everyone, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think Sue Fairhurst hit us for two grand slams in the oh, first mate. inning or something. Yeah. And I'm like, no. So it was yeah, – yeah, look, we could have all hit home runs, but we didn't. And so our team was stacked going into the 2004 team um, – the trials are, I can't remember how many players there were that were quite a large amount at the trials. And obviously coaches were aware of players from um, the women's league games also. I went to the trials sort of as a baby, not really knowing anyone, not really knowing me, I suppose, more so. I knew them if they were um, in the state teams. Um, there were four or five trials. Um, and I remember we had Shane Summersford, who's an ex-Claxton Shield player, 
um, he came up to me during the trials and sort of said, do you play any other position other than catcher? And I sort of said, in hindsight, I probably should have said yes. But I said, no, I'm a catcher. He's like, okay, and walked off. So at the time, whether I was tossing up or not, um, they were going to take me away as a bullpen catcher. So I was selected as a bullpen catcher. Um, Kez Sheehan was our starting catcher for 2004. Um, Sort of... Uh, not that long into our training. And they told me, like, you'll be a bullpen catcher. You know, you'll go away and you won't catch many games. You're here to learn, that sort of thing. Um, a few sessions in, um, Kez Sheehan had to pull out. Um, and so Johnny Gaynor, who was the head coach at the time, Shane Summersford came up to me and said, look, it's we're going to have to train you up. It's We've got no one to, like, you were going to be our bullpen. Kez has pulled out. We're going to have to train you up. You're going to have to be the catcher. Um, I was like, okay, yep. Okay, cool. Um, whatever needs to be. And, um, and then a couple of sessions later, I didn't even get that much time to train. Just a couple of sessions later, they came to me and said, we're going to get Sue Fairhurst back in the team. We're going to get Sue back in. She's going to catch. And I was kind of just like, yep, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> just go with what is was happening. Um, Sue was unfortunately, well, fortunately for me, but um, she wasn't able to come back that year. Um, so they were back to the, okay, well, let's, we're just going to train you in catching every every training session. And so it wasn't – it's a little bit different now in that, you know, you've got to catch – I mean, I still catch my bullpens, but you catch your bullpens, do a little bit of catching, then you go here, you do some infield up. It was literally I would get one-on-one catching training with Shane Summersford and Johnny Gaynor would come over, and I'd just do defensive work for most of the sessions. Um, and they would just – it would be it would be hard work, but it would be very, again, one-on-one, catcher, defensive catcher specific because Shane Summersford was very much a defensive mm. catcher himself. Um, and that's where I learned the biggest amount about catching. I mean, I'm still learning now. There's always things changing, always learning from different people. But that uh, lead up to those uh, – that Nationals, that 2004 Nationals is where I worked um, – and I'm a – worked quite hard to learn all these new things. There was a lot of learning. It wasn't just the physical um, workload. It was a, the learning about being a catcher as well. Mm. And then <laughs> I think it was the night before we went away. So we're going to Tamworth for that Nationals. I believe it was the night before we went away. Um, I remember we were at Blacktown International Sports Park, previously known as BOP. Um, we'd had a meeting. Um, in. We didn't have training. We just had a meeting in the uh, the room, in the meeting room, talking about, you know, what to bring tomorrow, what time, signals, all that sort of jazz. And Johnny and the coaching staff said, oh, Tani, we need to speak to you outside. We went and I remember sitting in the grandstand, like of Diamond One, sitting on the seats, and they said to me, look, we've been so happy with how you've worked, really proud with how you've worked and everything. We're going to let Katie catch every game. Katie Gaynor. (laughs) And again, I kind of just went, okay, all right. Um, and, I, and it wasn't, I mean, I was so young and I, it wasn't in my mind, oh, like I've just done all this. It was just, okay, well, that's what's going to happen. Um, funny now being that Katie Gaynor is like one of my best mates, but at the time she was going to be taking my spot. Um, and so they said to me, she's going to catch every game. I said, okay. And then it turned out, I think she caught one or two games and I caught the rest of them. Um, I couldn't tell you what games they were. I think I started the first game potentially. Maybe some of the bigger games she would start and then they would bring me in. But the majority of games, um, she might have caught one. The majority of games I uh, I caught, yeah. So I don't know what happened, whether they had a change of heart, whether I did well enough, um, or maybe Katie was like, nah, I'm I'm over at first base. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I've never actually spoken and said to her what happened there. I don't know if they'd even remember 20 years ago or uh, less than, but yeah. 
Well, Katie's on my hit list now. That's one of the questions I'm going to be asking. I heard you were trying to yeah, like, yeah. kneecap Tani in her. We always joke. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes she'll catch club games if I if I go somewhere else. And we call her, is it the drive? There's a driver from that TV show called The Stig. And he's in all the gear. That's what we call Katie when she's catching. She's the Stig. She gets up in a gear and off she goes. It's Katie the Stig. <laughs> wow. So... It's kind of a bit of an auspicious start. Like you get in and you're out, you're in, you're out, you're in. Yeah, I mean, sometimes things just align that way. Um, in a sense, I was it, like the stars lined. I mean, it was lucky for me. I suppose unlucky as a whole for the team because players like Kez Sheehan and Sue Fares, my God, who wouldn't want them on your team? Um, Victoria. Yeah, the, yeah <laughs> if don't... you're playing against them, that's it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it worked out. It, they, everything just sort of aligned that year um, and I, I played quite well um, and then was lucky enough to make the 2004 so I, we had a World Series and a World Cup the year, mm. that year I made the World so they took um, some players went to both I believe you went to both yeah there's probably about um, three quarters just over yeah about three quarters yeah, maybe went to whereas both. some they were taking to the 2004 World Series and then I believe the the better um, team they'll take into the, the World Cup. And if you went to both, it was because they sort of won you at both. So they'd said to me, World Series, kind of like, a, again, bullpen catcher sort of thing. Yep, fantastic. Again, it worked out that uh, that year, Christina Krepold had to pull out of the 2004 World Cup. And so they needed uh, another player. And I got the phone call to be able to go to the World Cup. So I actually was lucky enough to go to, to both the World Series and the World Cup that year. Mm. Um, basically as bullpen catcher. But yeah. It was awesome to, to get my start at, at that point. And, it, yeah, it was, it was just saying you go from 16 making your national debut to, to being the second youngest. I think you were just – Second youngest. Forky, yeah. Forky turned 15. Well, she had a birthday whilst we were away for the World Series, I believe. Yes. Absolute freak. I remember yeah. that. And she was she was out in right field a couple of times. I mean, I just still never forget the first time she threw a ball. And I was like – Rock it up. Just – it was still rising when it came to me. And it was just yeah. phenomenal. But what do you remember? I mean, we all <laughs> – we all remember you two. Being kids. Oh, Lord. I was only 22, <laughs> I think, at the time. That's but, a kid. That's still a kid. Yeah, but you you guys were so... Babies, yeah. ...young. Yep. What? And that was a massive trip. That trip, we've, we haven't had a trip like it. Like two countries, mm-hmm. World Series, World Cup, because the world they'd announced a World Cup but already announced a World Series, so they wanted Japan to host it. And yep. we are away for something like 31, 30 days. Yeah. What do you remember from that? Oh, what do I remember? I remember, obviously, I remember the baseball, but a lot of the things I remember are the, the fun stuff, the funny stories, the uh, the dinners and the events that we'd go to. I remember <laughs> Chelsea and I roomed together, which I don't know whose <laughs> idea that was to put. That sort of thing doesn't happen anymore, but they no. put the two youngest players together to room together in a different country um were you in red bull every day because like no. <laughs> seriously that's what it was like i think that's just um no i wasn't but i think that's just the energy of a 15 and a 16 year old <laughs> and thankfully brought the best out in both each other in that sense but i remember just doing yeah we i we'd be watching behind e news every week with britney spears stories every day i i, I just remember it being, I mean, I was a kid. If Chelsea was a kid, but I, I loved the baseball. I loved being around the team and being around the girls um, and just learning. It's just that team environment where a lot of the stories, you remember everything from the baseball. That's the, the heart and the passion. But a lot of the stories that I remember often are from 
oh, which hotel was that? And then someone will tell a funny story of, oh, that's the hotel we'll, we'll take in our racing times up and down the hallway or something or other. I go, oh, yes, I remember it now. But um, you can't blame me for Forky when she slept in and nearly messed the bus, missed the bus because that was – we'd moved into separate rooms by that time. So we were yes. individual rooms. So I had nothing to do with that. I was, I've always been a stickler for being on time on the bus. So I'm not holding that any accountability for that. <laughs> well, fu- but, um, yeah, it was just a funny story about Forky. When we split those second rooms, we had eyed off – do you remember those street banners? Yes, I've got some. Actually, when I was going through my stuff the other day, I've got some. Yeah, well, <laughs> we just framed all of our – ones from all the World Cups. And the awesome. best story from the 2004 is Sam and I were talking about it and Renee Stromides and Chelsea were listening to us. And then they we heard that they were going to go and sneak out that night. We'd already <laughs> snuck out. And so we waited for them to sneak out of the hotel. We went out and followed them in the streets and then started pretending to be <laughs> Japanese like police. And they abs- <laughs> and, and it took like years for us to tell them they absolutely shat themselves. Yes, yeah, so that's the sort of funny stuff. I must have been out with a different group because I've got some betters as well. I think we all I mean, <laughs> the streets in the <laughs> That's it. I mean, they were gonna they were gonna take them down the next morning anyway and give them to exactly. us. So it wasn't uh, anything legal by any by any means. No, no, no. It wasn't Dawn Fraser nineteen sixty four stealing. <laughs> It's our little tame version. But um, because my memory is going, I remember 2004 World Series, I spent a lot of time in the outfield, but then 2004 mm-hmm. World Cup, I spent on the bench. That was a learning mm-hmm. opportunity. I think I played mm-hmm. maybe one game. I can't remember. Yeah. How much time did you – and look, what I learnt sitting in the dugout, like I had D. Lee, Nicole Kane, just all those names that I, I got mm. to learn from. It was amazing just being there. What do you remember from the what you took away? Again, I spent a lot of my time up in the bullpen, which, again, earning your stripes, it's all part and parcel of it. But um, it's interesting now to talk to junior catchers and, and like a lot of what you can learn or work on, you can be done in the bullpen. But, um, yeah, I, I remember – I mean, some people sort of think always think um, – you know, I've, that I've been around forever, which I have kind of in a way since 2004. I mean, it's not forever, forever. There's people that were here since 2001 and earlier um, in terms of nationals and World Cups. But I didn't get my, my start until 2010, officially, my, my catching start until 2010. Um, prior to that, it was here and there games. Um, I might play half, I might play some, um, bullpen catcher, those sorts of things. But Bullpen, bullpenning at the World Series and World Cup, getting to watch the other teams and see the level. Um, I remember Nishi, mm. who's my favourite catcher from Japan. Um, she hadn't gone to the World Cup because they'd sent, uh, I believe, a high school team to yes. the, the World Cup. Yep. But she was at the World Series in Japan. And I remember being in the stands. We must have been watching the gold medal game. And I remember watching her take uh, a deep pop-up at the back net, um, straight behind home plate. The runner at one must have um, taken a few steps off too many. So she's taken this, again, deep pop-up, like a right against the fence. It wasn't on home plate. It was deep enough. And then turning around and hosing the runner who'd gotten taken too many steps off first. Oh, I remember that. And my me going, my God, she's phenomenal. Like that's, that's you know, that's the, I suppose, the, the level of um, the best catcher in the world. And that was, I mean, I think she's only maybe my age or a year or two, maybe even younger. Um, so yeah, seeing that sort of stuff and learning off watching other players. Um, but even, I mean, from 2005, 2006, um, playing men's state league games, I used to, um, play between third grade and second grade mostly. And, um, our state league plays on a Wednesday night, our first grade state league team. So I used to go down every Wednesday night and I'd catch all the bullpens for the men's state league team. And I feel like that was a big 
part of making me a better catcher. Um, not only would I get to, I'd sit up in the bullpen, the guys were awesome, we'd talk about certain pitches, we'd watch the games, I'd sometimes go in the dugout, watch some of the games, here and there they'd put me in. Um, but yeah, I feel like that was also a big part of my learning. And again, I didn't get much game time. It wasn't the game that I was um, being involved in that um, necessarily. I mean, there's things that you can only learn by being in a game, absolutely. Mm. But when you don't have the opportunity to be in the game, I think that being in that bullpen, I learned a whole lot and just the skills that I was able to, um, I suppose, improve on by just catching all those bullpens. And um, I mean, some of the men's pitches that we had were some of our Aussie men's pitches. So Mm. we had like the Wayne Lundgrens, he played for my club team. Um, We had the Thorn brothers who were throwing like 94, 95 miles an hour sliders like off the table. So some of that stuff, like I think... um, putting myself in a position where things were like, it wasn't easy catching those bullpens sometimes, but I think, yeah, I really learned a lot and um, the experiences that I got from those were, were really valuable too. 2004, it's the whirlwind. And then 2006, you missed selection for the world cup. Yep. 2008, you're back, but you're mm-hmm. back up to Kelly and sorry, you're, you're a backup to, yep. to Kelly Manzi. Um, yes. And for anyone yep. that knows Kelly Manzi, one of the best catchers, I mean, and a left-hander, just one yeah. of the best catchers you'll ever see. And it's, it's interesting because I kind of look at your career, in my opinion, it's kind of, it's two, two careers, two tales. Two, and, and it's mm. interesting, I was speaking to Johnny Gaynor about you during the week and I said, if you could try and sum Tani up in, how, I don't know how you do it in a few lines, but this is, this is where he said, it was someone that started as a bullpen catcher to an Australian catcher in six months and hard, endless hard work over time, which continued throughout her career. After being dropped from the Australian team after one year, her determination came to the surface. She made it back in and never surrendered it. I want to know what your so 2006 missing selection. I same thing happened to me. World Series in 2002, and I was like, "Oh, we won gold," and then cut the next year, and I'm like, and I use that to fuel my entire career, and I never miss one. Hundred percent. I mean, now in hindsight, it's probably I'm I'm in hindsight now. I'm glad it happened because yep. um, it made me a better player. Mm. Um, it made me go back and work harder. Um, I think sometimes, yeah, you have to lose to know what work you have to put in and how good winning is in a way. Mm. And when I talk winning, I'm talking about getting, making teams in this sense, um, which, um, but yeah, I think again, yeah, in hindsight, one of the best things that happened because it just made me go, okay, well, let's, let's kick it up a notch in terms of, of, in terms of the workload then. So what did you do? Because we talk about from 2008 to 2010, Mm -hmm. like 2010 comes along, we pick, we go to the World Cup, Mm -hmm. we'll get into the World Cup in a sec, but you go over there, you catch every game except for two innings. It's Mm -hmm. 1100 degrees every game. (laughs) It is ridiculous. And you just bat and glove were outstanding that tournament. What did you do between 2008, 2010? There's not one key thing that I did. It was... I just worked. I just worked. Um, a lot of repetitions. Um, I'd be down with Johnny getting extra BP. Um, I'd be getting my catching work in. Just getting extras when I can. But, yeah, it was literally just trying to get all my repetitions in. Um, I, was, I still am a big believer in that you, things don't come without hard work. Um, going away to a World Cup. To me, I can't imagine anything worse than going away and then in the back of my mind thinking, I haven't done enough work. Mm. Uh, to me, some of the confidence in playing comes from I've done, I've given all the hard work that I can 
especially in those years um, compared to now as, as I'm getting older, but just knowing that I've done everything I can, I've put all the hard work, I've done the grind that the plane will happen um, kind of train, train hard fight easy, I suppose, sort of mentality. Mm. And going, going into that world cup, what was, how did you, I mean, you knew you were going to be co- uh, managing a pitching staff, Jacinda Barclay, Mindy Latimer, Laura Neves, Kathy Welsh. Mm-hmm. Um, we lose a pitcher on the eve of the championships. What, it's not just the catching element, it's managing a staff as well. Um, yep. What kind of approach did you take going into that? I mean, we were, we had an awesome, uh, an awesome bullpen. The depth that we had, some of the arms that we had, and some of the two-way players that we could count on to come in in, in situations as well, like the likes of Laura Needs, Christina Krepold, who were on the mound in in vital situations. But obviously, having someone like Barclay on the mound, I mean, it's kind of in a way <laughs> about learning in those big games and and World Cups about learning how different pitches need to be, I suppose, managed in a way as well. Mm. I mean, we were really lucky. We had Tim Ballard as our, um, our, our pitching coach. That was also very beneficial. Um, and some of the charts that we had on players, those sorts of things. But for example, Barky, as you know, playing with Barky, it was kind of when she's on the field, when she's off the field, we're not playing. She was, she was the best fun, right? Yeah. She was, uh, Class clown, all the fun in the world. Zumba when she's dancing. on the field, that's it. When she was on the field, it was barky focus. Mm. So I remember I'd go out to speak to her and her eyes would be foggy. She'd be looking through me and I'd be trying to go, barky, barky. Like, hey, and she's looking at the hitter in the, on deck and I'd be like, barky, like, let's go with this hit. Like, she's just a demon, a uh, different sort of uh, mentality of this just ultimate focus. And then, I don't know if you recall, but like being in the dugout, I often wouldn't speak to her if she was pitching well. Sometimes I might say, hey, like, you know, we're going to try for this or next time or whatever as we're coming back into the dugout. I can't really recall many times where I'd go up to her in the dugout because she'd go and sit often by herself Mm. um, at the end of the dugout and sort of just be looking on the field whilst we were hitting. So sometimes I would, I think, uh, go and speak to her, but often I would just, if she was pitching well, she's in that that mind frame, I'd just go and and let her go. Sometimes she'd come up to me and go, hey, had this work what was that like etc etc but often i'd just let her be sitting down the end so yeah the individuals that um are in a pitching staff i think it's important to know the individuality with different kinds of pitches um i mean you've got someone like lulu who loves she's pretty lax and and really relaxed with her with her pitching so she's pretty chill when you talk to her on the mound like yeah really lax like everything's cool um but yeah i think that's a big part of um pitching success sometimes is not necessarily um, anything other than how do they, and again, it's just personality, personality baseball in, in baseball in general. How do they, what sort of level of, um, I suppose, attitude or thoughts do they perform best at? And it's different for everyone. Someone like yourself and me were more enforcers, mm. I believe, sort of yes. intense, intense sort of players. Um, whereas, yeah, we had more relaxed players. So I think knowing your pitchers and what kind of intensity they like to perform at or what intensity they perform best at. Sometimes what they like yes. is not where they perform best at. Yeah, no, very good so, point. Yeah. And you, you talk about that catching to, to Barks. I mean, I, I think about my, my World Cup career and I, I think about performances and I think your performance at the 2010 World Cup is, is just an absolute standout to me. It's one of my top five, just your entire World Cup. Um, 
because you didn't do it with just the glove. Like, as I said, 153 degrees every game, you're catching every game, but you actually stepped up with the bat. And it's funny because we didn't think, it's not that we didn't think of you as a hitter, but you weren't weren't selected. No, I wasn't a threat with a bat. No, you weren't selected as a hitter, but. No, and I never, I mean, I never really had been selected as a hitter in teams, to be honest, until probably after, well, not even. I've always been selected as as a catcher. I'm, I'm more of a defensive catcher, but. I suppose that's another thing in that you're saying, well, what was the difference between 2006 when you got cut and the next year? I really worked on, on my hitting. Um, mm. I was in the cages more, um, trying to work on those sorts of things because I suppose my bat potentially was a big part of why I didn't get selected. Um, yeah. It was as overall, but that that was a component because it was not as if I was one of the top hitters um, and previously I just focused solely on my defense not solely but a lot on my defensive um, capabilities and then the hitting was the reward at the end of the night I get to go hit BP in the cages so I suppose that kind of changed that shifted a bit in in 2006 um, onwards where I, I said okay well I need to pick up the stick a bit more I need to pick up my um, my capabilities with with the bat so yeah I definitely did um, improve in that sense or work harder in trying to lift that level that part of my game for sure because in in 2010, like you, two RBIs and now one run game against Japan, our historic mm-hmm. must one ring must win. Um, and then I'll never forget Venezuela. You hit a bases clearing double to take us up eight two. I remember because I was on third base at the time <laughs> against Venezuela in the semi final, which pretty much sealed. We went on and won, I think ten two, but it sealed us the yep. first ever gold medal spot. And I think about that performance, but I think about. Jacinda Barclay's performance on the mound, mm-hmm. you two as a battery in that game. Mm. Where does that game rank for you in your career? Um, oh, easily, easily up the top. Um, the the Venezuela game, the defeating Japan game, defeating Japan game. Venezuela as a whole is in my top baseball memories easily. Yeah. Um, it's just, I mean, and it's not just. It was every player, as you know, being part of that team, Amy, it was every player on the team. They weren't just, I mean, you say I caught every game, but I couldn't have caught every game if I didn't have Claire Whittam in the bullpen. And that was one of, that, one of my heat, next questions. <laughs> in those in those heat-based games. Um, I mean, bullpenning and catching. And I don't know if non-catchers really get this. Sometimes bullpenning, you get more sore. I don't know what it is, whether it's a lack of as much adrenaline. But you actually, sometimes I'll catch bullpens at training. And I'm like... Now I'm getting older, and I'm like, geez, I'm a little bit sore. Whereas games, you don't often get as much. Um, whether it's because the pitches keep going on and on. Oh, one more, one more. Let's try this. Let's try this. But you, sometimes it's it's not easy work. It's not. A, I mean, it's not a bludge up there necessarily, especially in games where it's hot like it was in Venezuela. I mean, so having players like Claire, having players like Claire that. I couldn't have caught every game if she wasn't up in the bullpen um, or if we didn't have her as the backup to come in when I needed, when we needed her to, um, or just the attitude, or if we didn't have the Talia McDonald mm. at the time in our Wellington, um, who was in the dugout saying to me, hey, I've got you a drink ready before you go out for the mm. next innings. I mean, it seems so basic, but it really isn't because they're things you then don't have to worry about during the game. Yeah. Um, and it's just, I mean, we all know that that team was really – such a, a force of a team in terms of our connections and our teamwork. And that was all part and parcel of it. So I don't think they're really, I mean, there were standout performances like Jacinda Barclay, etc. for sure. But as a whole, everyone had so many different parts and, and everyone played those parts as, I mean, it's been said a thousand times, but it, it just can't be put in any other way. And it's funny. I just wish you could bottle it because we never had an answer. Like I remember sitting by the pool and we we're like, we're going to work this shit out. And we're like, we don't know how, yeah. but we just, 
did it was 19 people. And the Claire Whittam example is Claire's performance at that World Cup, I reckon, is my my most favourite baseball thing ever. Now, I remember... Yeah. Oh, oh, do you want to give the background? On Claire? Yeah. Well, yeah. I was just going. Yeah. I mean, as a catcher, but I think I'll lead it in by saying that I think you and Claire as that catching duo going into the World Cup was so romantically perfect because you, Claire, came in for you in two thousand and six, mm. backing up to Kelly, and yeah. you came in for for Claire, backing up for Kelly in two thousand and eight. So you've both been cut a previous mm. World Cup, and then you go away. And I remember Claire caught two innings against the Netherlands and that was it and I was in centre field and I would look across to the bullpen and I don't reckon I ever saw Claire without her leg guards on except for when we're no. back at the hotel yeah she lived in those leg guards yeah. god love her but I, I recall I mean I'm sure she won't mind me saying this but it must have been after the Venezuela win I believe um everyone was quite emotional and passionate and Claire got teary and it was and she's like she made a bit of an announcement to everyone. She's like, I just want everyone to know I'm not teary because I'm not playing. I'm teary because I'm just so happy we've done it. And it was the most authentic, real thing ever. Yeah. And she just is – she was never one of those – I mean, we're at a World Cup. It's not about getting on the field. It's yeah. about being the best teammate you can to ensure that the team is as successful as they can be. And she was never one of those players no. that was worried about her own game time. She was worried about doing what she could to make the team better and – easily hands down one of the best teammates I've ever had in that instance um just the the passion that she still had mm. and the way she could contribute the same as with Talia as well during yeah. that World Cup and the, it was just those sorts of players again like they didn't get on the field much but that's not that's not wins you a silver medal that's not what wins you the silver medal no exactly I mean and obviously the, everything we went through as a team um with with the shooting and everything I think obviously bonded it but it was more than that I oh think. yeah yeah, it was. Just, I just still can't believe when you think about it, when you talk about it, we all went through that. But, yeah, whenever I think about I'm trying to coach girls or juniors or anything, I just think about the Claire Whittam rule. I wish I could just have this documentary on that World Cup that just yeah. shows Claire. <laughs> and it's, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I think it has to come in some sense from, from a young age. From um, And sometimes it's it's from upbringing. Like, that's why I say I'm so grateful that I had parents and a family um, – that were very much about hard work and earning your stripes and contributing to the team how you can. Cause I think that was sort of instilled at me in me from a young age. And so that's sort of always the, I suppose the mentality that I've had on those sorts of things as well. Mm. And obviously famously t- silver. Um, and that's the start of your five world cups in a row. And I was going through your stats cause we established I love a stat rat. Love a, stat rat. Stat rat. Love a good stat. Um, and it's hard because this early <clears throat> early stats are very hard to find individual stats. Mm. Like it's just game scores and that. So I've got to go off my memory. I've got to go off what I've got. I played five World Cups and I, and I reckon you've – I think you DH one game in 2018. I don't know how many games you didn't start in that time. Were there any other games you didn't start? Um, yeah, there were some here and there. Um, I couldn't tell you which games they were, but there definitely were some. I suppose 2010's – the most I've caught yep. in a World Cup. And I did um, I did love catching and still do. If I could catch every game, I would in terms of away at a tournament. If I felt, I, I, and which I did, I was fit enough that I felt, no, my legs are holding out fine, my arm feels fine, you know, so I'm happy to keep catching. And often we'd have meetings with coaches and they'd be like, okay, check in. How are you feeling? How's the body holding up? How's this? How's that? That sort of thing. Um, and I would always say, I would always be, I'm good. Let's go. Like, good to go. So, um, 
back back then when 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 I was younger um yeah definitely as much as I could I'd be I'd be catching every game if I could <laughs> I remember I want to say Altona but I don't remember it being that hot in Altona there was one uh, nationals where we we played double headers during that nationals and it was a really hot double header and I caught both games every inning um I want to say Altona but it could be another world series but I remember it being so hot and they must have been a different material of pants, but my my pants like kind of literally melted onto my legs, oh. um, my baseball pants. And so obviously I had my leggings on them all day, and they just sweated and they kind of stuck to my legs. Um, and so at the end of the game, when we got back to the um, back to the pool to do our pool session, me and probably Los Vela or someone, one of my teammates, were trying to peel off my oh. pants without ripping on my skin. But it was just I just caught every game. It was just like I was I loved doing it. I felt that I was um, in a position where I wasn't sore. I wasn't. It was just I wanted to catch mm. every inning, every game if I could. Well, it's interesting you're peeling them off because uh, Tiny and I roomed together at a couple <laughs> of World Cups, and I was absolutely amazed. Every day we'd have to decide which pants were whiter of Tiny's. And by the end of the World Cup, we're choosing brown from black and yeah basically it's like, we'd lay them out of my bed and we'd go okay i'd say amy which pants look whiter you know got to go with the wider pants and look at me and my at my mine were pristine white from yeah the pristine a couple of little grass stains from you know a couple of layout catches but not much but i used to roll around in the dirt and when i'd get a sweaty hand i'd be rubbing that in the dirt and then rub it on my pants so yeah they were never they were never white pants 2012, you batted 483, 2014, 316, 2016, 400. Not bad for a not hitting catcher. Yeah, for a, a catcher, yeah, a catcher that a hits. A catcher that has to be in a lineup. <laughs> um, yeah, again, again, I've always sort of been a defensive catcher, so that's always been uh, my priority in games. If and and a lot of coaches that um, that I've worked with have said to me. I mean, I've come across, I've had some of the best coaches and, and sometimes it will be, look, you're here for your glove. Um, I don't want you to get so focused on the bat that your glove lacks, basically, um, that your defense lacks. So if you hit, that's a bonus, but we need you in the lineup for your for your catching. So, But that's not to say they weren't pushing me to, to be hitting or mm. that I wasn't pushing to be hitting. Um, but if it meant that defensively I was, I was lacking, then there was something wrong. Um but I remember before going away to Venezuela in 2010. Sorry, I keep chopping and changing back no. as, as the memory's coming back. But <laughs> I remember Johnny Gaynor. Again, it was one of those BOP meetings in that grandstand. That's where the hard conversation <laughs> seems to always happen. But I remember it must have been a few nights before we were going away again. We are having one of those meetings. And Johnny had a bit of a one-on-one with me. Um, and he said to me, look, Tan, if we're – we must have had a scrimmage game or something or rather. And there'd been a ball that was um, – a pass ball. It was a higher pitch, and I, I just, I think I tipped it, but I didn't, I didn't catch it. And he said to me, Tan, if, if we're going to win a gold medal, that can't happen. That sort of thing can't happen. We need you at your 100, percent and those sorts of balls can't be going to the, to the, like as a pass ball. We can't have that happen. Mm. I'm saying, okay. And he goes, we need you if we're going to win gold. That, yeah, that's not, that's not to be happening. I love the fact that you knew your role. Like similar to me, I was told I was coming into an outfield, and I had because Katie was playing some outfield back then. Sam, yeah. Katie, Sam Hamilton, Sam, F- Fairhurst, Rawlings, Sheen, Rawlings, Cre- oh, 20, what year are you talking I'm about? talking 20. when I came in. Nic- as a whole. Yeah, 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 Forks, Nicole Kane, Ange Catford. And I'm sitting there just going, I was a string bean. I weighed like yeah. 56 kgs. I ran the house down. I'd just been kicked out of the infield. They're like, you're never playing in the infield. You have to go out there. Yeah, you wanted to be a shortstop, right? I did. And then they were like, you yeah, shit, you need to play in the outfield. And I was just like, <laughs> I hate you. And then I went out there and went, I love this. 
But <laughs> it was funny because I remember going, I can't compete with them. And I remember that Johnny, I remember Johnny and Don both turning around to me and going, we don't need you to compete with them with your bat. We need you to be the best outfitter we've got. And then I understood. And exactly what you said, that was not to mean that I wasn't going to work on my batting because I did. Mm. I worked my ass off. But I knew yeah. that my role was to be the best outfitter possibly. That That's that it. possibly could be. I mean, in, in different teams, your role becomes different as well. Exactly but um, right. I've been I've been so um, grateful in that all of my Aussie coaches, um, you know, Simone Wern, Johnny Gaynor, they've always been coaches that have said um, and had conversations with players about this is what we need from you. And mm. I and I like that of this is what you need to do. Um, so then you can work on it and then it's sometimes honest and they're sometimes not good conversations, but they say to you, look, that wasn't good enough. You need to be here. Like Johnny did that time. It's just that those sorts of conversations are what make my, what made myself uh, a better player. I do believe. I I agree. Those hard conversations. I've had a few and you, they're the hardest ones are the best ones that you can have. Um, Yeah, absolutely. And so we talk about that span of 2018, sorry, 2010 to 2018. I actually want to ask you a little bit Mm non-baseball. You're a leading teacher and I don't want to just, like you head teacher yep head teacher um you've had a full-time job it might be leading in vic oh okay so full-time job when did you start that full-time job when like what stage so yeah so 2010 i graduated uni um and started doing sort of casual and temporary teaching those sorts of things so it was around i remember i was still at uni when we came back from venezuela because i remember going back to uni straight from venezuela but then i started casual teaching at the end of that year um and then 20, I suppose, 2010 to about 2012, 13, I was doing temporary contracts, etc. Um, full time, I suppose, from 2014 onwards. Um, and the last four years now, um, I've been, yeah, head teacher of PDHPE at an all boys high school, which I, I'm very, uh, again, very grateful that I, um, I've had all these years where I've been in love with baseball, but I'm also really grateful that I really love my job as well. Um, so as I'm getting older, I'm, I'm really passionate about my job um, and, and really invested in that as well. So yeah, I am I am really happy that I have that um, outside of baseball also now. Mm. Yeah. And how, how hard was that? I mean, all of us who have juggled and we, we pay for everything. I think we've got the Australian mm. women's team has got to a point where we don't pay to go away. But yep. we have nationals every year, World Cups every year. We're talking, we're all throwing five grand down easy yeah. easier year probably when you add up travel physio everything mm-hmm. how hard was that for you to juggle and, and I mean I know how Inter- hard it was yeah I mean it, it is but it never at the time it was never and I'm not sure I've said this before but it never seemed like um, a sacrifice to me because it was what I loved it really never seemed like a sacrifice it always I always looked at it as an opportunity it was never oh and again I was in love with baseball I was in love with the training I was in love with the tournaments so I was in love with the hard work loved hanging out with the girls it was all an opportunity I was like yes I get to do this um it wasn't really an inconvenience mm. it was I have the opportunity to do this it wasn't I have to sacrifice this to do that it's I want to be doing this this is something I want to do yep. so I'm choosing to do this and that's yeah because I want to do it it's not I have to miss out on something else because that's that was my priority that's what I wanted to be doing yeah. so it wasn't um I don't think it was um a huge issue with juggling because I made it work because I wanted to make it work yeah and you're right you, so you talk about your juggling you, you do you just you have a schedule you fit it all in um yeah can you think of any 
uh, I have it was funny Bronwyn talking to Bronwyn Gell obviously I played with her and she was I was telling her yesterday I was doing the podcast and she sent yeah. me a list of a thousand questions to ask you um <laughs> like she wouldn't know you anyway no and and yeah. she said she goes and it's funny because we've all got our really cool stories of how the different ways we've tried to get like whether we were running at midnight or Sam and I would go and throw out in the in the street, we'd find the two street lights that would work. Um, yep. We've all got our funny stories. Bromwell wanted to know what were some of your ways of getting in, whether it's baseball, fitness, anything. Yep, yep. Um, I think I mentioned it earlier. Sometimes when fields were closed or I had no training, it would just be in my at the time. Some that I was just go, I'd go in the backyard um, and I'd have. Sometimes not even the crate of balls. Depends if I'd <laughs> stolen a crate from baseball or not. <laughs> but I'd have a few baseballs and I'd, I'd show mum how to throw in the dirt so I could block it. Um, and so mum would be out there throwing him in the dirt and oh, I'd be I'd be blocking in the backyard. Oh, she's a gun, mate. <laughs> like, if we, like, I, I remember once saying to her, oh, show me your block. She's got perfect blocking form. Probably She hasn't blocked a ball, but she knows how to do it because I think she's just seen me enough over the years and been throwing him in the dirt for me. But yeah, mum would be out there. Um, throwing balls in the dirt for me in the backyard when I couldn't get to a field, um, when fields were closed or there was just no training or just wanted extra. Sometimes I'd just be randomly like when I was living at home, mum, let's, you know, go out in the backyard. And, and she was always there to do that. Um, my brother was always happy to run some fitness sessions with me. He used to actually, Venezuela team, he'd come down to our, um, our Venice, the lead up to our World Cup. So the New South Wales players, um, when we'd be training out at BOP, uh, he'd come down and run some fitness sessions sometimes um, two, three times a week. And being that it was my brother, it was always worse because it's it, it's probably a bit like me, a bit a bit intense with trainings and stuff. But um, I remember one session, it was a sad day, it was hot. I remember it being um, it's so hot and he'd come down and he was really pushing us and some of the girls were vomiting from the fitness and stuff and he'd go, are you guys, are you guys done? And me being psychotic and it was my brother, so I couldn't really give in on him. I would be... Like, no, I'm good to keep going. And the girls would be like looking at me, like like hitting me, shut up, shut me. Go, okay, we're going again. Tan wants to go again. And they'd be like, you need to shut the hell up. <laughs> and so we'd come back and he'd look at me and go, you guys done? And I, they wouldn't, the girls wouldn't let me speak. They'd be like, they'd be like, in jump, jump in front, we're done, we're good. And like, we'd worked, we were done, 100% done. But I just had this mentality of, Number one, it was my brother. I couldn't give in to him. So I'd be like, no, nah, I'm not done. And they were like vomiting and shut up. We hate you, Tati. So what I'm hearing is that your brother and your mum needs half half of your medal from 2010. Oh, of course. Yeah. Dad too. Dad brings out the chill vibes. He's okay. really relaxed, cool kind of dude. Um, not much phases him, which is nice because sometimes you do need a balance. <laughs> well, it's, fun- and it's funny you talk about your fitness and it's – we spoke off air before about 2018 and whether you're going to go on to another World Cup and COVID unfortunately put an end to 2020's World Cup. Mm-hmm. So I saw you for the first time in a while. I saw you last May at the Baseball Australia Showcase in Adelaide yep. when Brisbane Bandits played Adelaide Giants. And I'll never forget when I saw you because I'm I'm looking at you going, okay, I've played however many World Cups with you, five, mm. against you at Nationals. And here you are at the other end of your career. Mm. three years out of a world cup two years out of a nationals and you were the fittest i've ever seen absolutely just setting a benchmark for everybody and i was going to say we don't people don't see we see you every year we see you every two years people don't see all that hard work um yeah and where so where do you what what what, what's left how much more baseball are we going to see you at nationals and world cup do you know um, I mean, now that the World Cup's going to a four-year span, um, potentially 
things change. At the moment, I'm still playing club ball. Um, the showcase was the most fun. It was awesome. So that showcase we did last May, um, loved being a part of that. So those sorts of things um, really love. So this year, um, unfortunately, not going to be able to play nationals. But, um, yeah, I, 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 at the moment, I'm, I'm enjoying where I'm at in terms of baseball. Again, pending what happens, I suppose. Um, it's kind of ev- everything in the world is just an open question at the moment, I suppose, of where we're at, what's going to happen with World Cups, those sorts of things. Um, but, yeah, I really enjoy, you know, going to the gym, I suppose now in my career, it's less um, less baseball repetitions like it used to be. It was kind of the other way around, I suppose, um, in, in my earlier career and up to sort of 2016, 2018, it'd be lots of baseball being a game of repetitions. It'd be repetitions, repetitions, repetitions at the field as much as I could and then gym on the off days. But now it's kind of, um, I really enjoy going to the gym. So that's kind of um, something I'm doing a bit more, I suppose, because I have less on-field time. Mm. Um, but yeah, um, I, I don't have a, a straight out answer for what's left. Um, but it's just, uh, it's just depending situation, I suppose. Yep. Eh, Mac? It's, it's a tricky one to answer straight out. Um, yep. obviously love baseball. Um, love being around the girls. Um, am getting a bit older. So in terms of workload, how things change, um, as opposed to me in 2010 getting all the reps in I can and, and training every day or whatever, as opposed to now as um, things change a little bit in terms of how you approach things um, just to keep the body healthy. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, I certainly hope there, even though the World Cup's gone every four years, it's not that far away. Just think about how many years you've played. It's like only so I'm 30, this much I'm 34 of it. now, mate. I'm 34. Oh, okay. I'm 35, yeah, in, okay. 35 in December. Okay, let know who you're talking to. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and are you playing? No, you're retired. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm re- no, but you know what? Like I don't, if someone was to ask me how old I feel, I don't feel 34 maturity wise. <laughs> no, physically I probably, yeah, I, I feel, I feel good, but it's just, um, things change. Yeah. When it's all said and done, what do you want to be remembered for? I, as I said earlier, spoken to a few people to sort of see how they see you. And I spoke to Dom and I think Dom saw you as a player. Dom Ruggiero was the Victorian coach for a number of years. Australian yeah, awesome coach. to play under Dom. Yeah. And he's, I credit so much of my career. And I asked him about Tani and he said, who? And I went, Tani. <laughs> and I think this is one of the ways I sort of look at you as well. He said, Tani, I thought, generally worked at her craft and was determined to be the best in the world, which I think she was. I like the way that even though she was one of the first picks, she never acted like it, led by example, and continued to be one of the hardest workers in the team. She never rested on the laurels, and she always approached it as if there was someone right there ready behind her to take her spot. That's really nice of Dom to say. He was also a player under, but yeah, I think, yeah, I've never, it's never, even like, it's, nothing's ever a given yeah. in terms of being selected in a team. It's never a given. So it was always about, hey, I'm number one, trying to win for my team that I'm on. If I get selected because of how I perform, then that's obviously a bonus. But it was never – I would always say I, I'm not – nothing's a walking, nothing's guaranteed, nothing's a given. I've got to earn it. You've got to – and there's nothing worse than if you had a player who's just, yeah, I'm, I'm in the team or I know I'm in the team or I'm, I won't work hard because I'm in the team because that's not what makes the best teams. Yeah. Um, so I suppose in that sense – yeah, I've never um, just thought anything's a given and have um, continued to work work for it. Um, yeah. 
What are you most proud of? And again, we know you've got plenty of years left. <laughs> what are you most proud of? Um, definitely that silver medal in Venezuela. I mean, it, it goes without saying. Um, uh, 2016, making the All-Star team was a big... Um, something that I always did want to achieve and it was amazing but again that it doesn't top that that feeling of winning the silver medal in, in 2010 and and the individual achievements never do mm. um it's just it's just not the same so absolutely 2010 um silver medal Venezuela and just and that that whole trip in terms of baseball it's definitely what I'm most proud of absolutely and look ahead like looking ahead obviously once you're you've you're not on the field as a, as a catcher um mm. Catchers make great coaches. Are you? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've done some. Oh, here and there, I'll go and help out. It's sometimes time commitments that I can't. But yeah, absolutely, like, I like like to go help out. I really like, obviously, doing catching coaching specifically as well, um, because I feel that that's what made me a really good player is having that one-on-one catching time. But um, I mean, some of the best coaches like Simone Wern that I've had were good players, and I feel like some part of being a good coach comes from your experience as a player. And that's not to say all. I have had some good coaches who necessarily haven't, but I do find tend to find that the best were um, involved in the game as players as well. Mm. But, I mean, it's interesting the kind of <laughs> the feelings you get as a coach compared to a player. I mean, all I've coached is sort of um, junior baseball here and there. I did some junior baseball with Katie, which was which was good fun. We coached her, her one of her sons, and, and that was um, just fun. But then... <clears throat> When I coach my school teams or I take the local zone team, etc., it is so bloody stressful coaching. <laughs> I was like, what the heck is this stress? I don't know whether it's because as a player, you feel like you can do more about it, like more, uh, well, I can contribute a bit more. Mm. I don't know what it is or just I'm not used to it, but like I'm there for a school game, which is nothing in comparison to a lot of the things that we've got to experience with and I'm like oh god this is stressing me out I'm standing up in the dugout like it's a different kind of feeling responsibility. like responsibility oh, maybe that's whole... what it is but I mean I always felt responsibility as a player though like as well like I felt it's like you know so I have a responsibility it really is and it's I, I don't know what it is but it's it gives me anxiety of some sort I don't know what it is <laughs> I'm not sure I want to be a manager I think I just want to coach mm. I want to teach running mm. building mm. hitting because mm. i think you just you take everything on yourself because when they win it's mm. them but when they lose it's all on you it's all you and exactly and again that's the best coaches i've ever had have always had that philosophy on if you win that's a team win yep. if you lose coaches will take the responsibility and again uh, that was part of the johnny and doma philosophy that mm. was part of the simone graham lloyd philosophy. that's just the kind of the best coaches always have that philosophy and yeah, that's a big part of what it is. And yeah, you do take a bit more responsibility, I suppose, as a coach and a lot more thinking involved or do this or that, but just, yeah, the anxiety and the stress, my God. <laughs> I do I do think though that a lot of players when you hit a national squad, I think we kind of need to be forced into coaching because I think you get a totally different perspective mm. of, yeah, I did a lot of coaching sort of at the start of my career and I think the second half mm. of my career, I just had, I had a different outlook. I definitely, yeah, love helping out um, with clinics. I still do some clinics here and there and, and those sorts of things. But, um, yeah, who knows what the future holds. Well, I'm hoping that the Australian women's baseball team player or coach the future holds Tani Lovering, that's for sure, because we can't <laughs> lose you. Um, before I let you go, we're just going to do a quick cool down. Um, just some rapid fire questions. Going to put go. you on the spot for a couple of them. Okay. Best pitch you've ever caught to. Oh, my God. That's an unbelievably difficult question. <laughs> so I've got oh, 
I have highlights. I can't give you. Okay. I can't give you one picture. I no, I'm the same. Like everyone goes, who's the best picture you've ever seen for Australia? I have situations yep. and categories. I have best fastball, That's curveball. Right. I mean, yeah. Big so, game picture. My first and oh, I'm I'm talking a lot. I know. Sorry, I make. No, but my no, first, do not stop. My first best picture memory or first really wow, Renee Stromitis, mm. 2006 Ipswich, yes. where we won. Yes. You like I you mean, like bringing would, those up, those victories, don't you? Oh, mate, I've got to got to keep them can. She was throwing full count curveballs, um, like unbelievably dominant performance. Um, you got us four so nil that, in the gold medal game. I remember. I think we got maybe yeah. one person on. I think she picked her off. It was yeah, yeah. and I mean, especially after seeing the likelihood. Um, I mean, and in the opposite end, two thousand and four, where Simone Wern come on, and that, so again, the his two straight ups, Renee Stromitis in that two thousand and six final gold medal game, Simone Wern a few games, and unfortunately been. In, in some cases at Nationals, the other end of that. But her 2004, um, and that was my first time seeing her as well, 2004 um, Nationals final. Yep. And the sort of movement that she had on her pitches, I had not seen before either. Mm. So I was like, Jesus, what what chance do we have here? Um, so she's had some dominant displays as well. <clears throat> um, I need to, you could have asked me this pre, I could have come up with a list for you, the exact moments. Um, obviously, Jacinda Barclay, Venezuela. Um, Laura Needs has had some really dominant outings as well. I remember catching to Christina Krepold, who's a two-way. She's not mm. a pitcher. She is a two-way player, uh, uh, you know, that can pitch and she can pitch. Um, her Venezuela outing. Um, In that situation uh, too. Like that's mate, one of the – I would. there's no way if I was a pitcher anywhere close to a pitcher, they went, do you want this ball? I'd be going, oh, no. Yep, Coming on in that yep. last inning to hold that win against Japan, that was – yeah. Far out. That's just the one of the best I've seen. Yeah, and it got down to that one run and that one <laughs> pop up to first base. But even like I, I have so many. Like there's there's not I I don't want to say one picture, but yep. there are dominant displays and dominant performances. And the people that put up those dominant displays and dominant performances are the best pitchers anyway. Yep. Um. But even like I can't. I'm not sure the year. I want to say Altona, but you might be better with this than mm-hmm. me. Rook McLean. Um. Where she did her knee and then kept trying to pitch. So, you know, I, I think that was t- – I think that was 2006. She would know because the poor thing was in a wheelchair throughout the airport and went going home. I reckon but that was 2007 she had some really dominant displays as well. in Perth because if she mm. didn't do her knee, we wouldn't have won that Nationals. We would yeah. have won 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And none of us – Brooke is just amazing. We wouldn't want to wish it on anyone. But yeah. Brooke at her best, agree. I think Mindy Latimer, 2010 Mate, yes, Nationals. yes, 100%. That, when she had that one-two punch of her and Britt in 2010, yep. Mindy was oh, – she owned yep. my ass. And again, Latimer and Britt, the, the, uh, some of the games that I've caught with them, I definitely can't choose – a favourite picture. That would be like choosing a favourite child in the catcher, right? I can't choose one. And that's why I but asked it because you I have gave 100%, the best I 100% have favourite outings and, yeah. and I feel like I've even forgotten some. So I might message you later and be like, oh, I forgot this because this was really there in my heart and that's something I fondly think of often. Um, or I'm just trying to think of other World Cups. I, but there's but also I think, these moments where and and nationals, even club games. Sometimes you get a really dominant display, and you're like, you know what? Yeah. That is some of the like when when you have a dominant pitcher, it is like a pleasure to catch. It's like every ball is moving how it's supposed to. Everything's working how it's supposed to. It's like this is. I mean, it's still hard work because catching always is, but it's it's not. It's not. 
sometimes you're buckling in back there like I don't know where this is going as a catcher and it's not fun, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, but when you've got a dominant pitcher or someone who's really on and, and it's just a pleasure to catch, you're like, you know, we're putting this this slider here and the slider goes yep. there. But, I mean, I've, I've had the um, – the privilege of even being able to catch to some of our international players, like the likelihoods of um, Marty Samatelli, uh, mm-hmm. um, Stacey Piagno as well, wow. when they came over and played nationals with us. Um, I caught some games with Marty where she was just dominating in, in both nationals and club ball mm-hmm. as well. So, and Stacey, but it's just, yeah, I can't choose a favorite child, but I have some definite favorite outings. Well, I think that's a, maybe that's a podcast of its own. I'll just do a podcast <laughs> of Tani's 10 best pitching moments. Hundred percent. I, I could give you the breakdown. Yeah, I'd love to hear that. Um, <laughs> so this is probably, this is probably a similar question, but different. Hardest batter to have to call to. Oh. Because <clears throat> I think it's one of the hardest batters that I've had to feel to. Like I think back to Nat Rawlings and Chris Crepold. I used to just stand in the outfit. I'm just going to stand against the fence in the middle and just hope for the best. Sometimes you just yeah. Go... I mean, we've been lucky. We've had a few of those hitters. I think on the New South Wales team, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, internationally, the Japan lineup has always been difficult um, in that they take long at bats, they mm. take a lot of pitches, they can hit um, all parts of the field, they can bunt, they can swing for power, those sorts of things. Can I give you one? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll tell you this, when, and this would happen sometimes at nationals, um, there would be certain hitters who were hot and, and, and catching Every time, when these hitters are hot, every time I would look over on deck, they were back again. I was like, oh, my God, how are you on deck again? You just had a bat and a base hit up the middle. How are you bloody – they're like pests. They're back again and they're back again. And that's just my thought process of catch. I'm like, how are you back on deck again? I swear we just (laughs) dealt with you. Um, Yeah, I – I mean, to choose one – I can't choose one, mate. This is so horrible. But, I mean, we've got – I've never. I, I've been lucky enough that the likes of Katie Gaynor, um, Ange Catford, they've been on my mm. team. They've been on my club teams. They've been on my state team, so I haven't had to face yep. them. Um, oh, I can't give you one, mate. That's unbelievably difficult. Oh. But I remember one time being Sam Hamilton was one of those pests on oh, deck. I'm like, bloody hell, pest, Sam! You just anyway. Yeah, you were just up here, but ah, oh, but I mean. <laughs> Yeah, I feel – I'm going to miss so many players because like, there's so many players that are just phenomenal. And um... If I gave you a situation, like my opinion is if I was going to rank the batters, it would be, okay, who is the batter that, is, that you need the hit to walk off to win the game? Like who's the clutch? Who's that person I need that power <laughs> hit? Probably I mean, a Kate. clutch, uh, yeah, or, or a crepold. A, a oh, crepold. Crepo. Any situation, I mean, we used to be call. Chris. Yeah, we used to call uh, – I think it was the 2010 or 2012 World Cup we called um, – Crepper, our Jesus. She was our, yes. our Lord and Saviour. <laughs> um, she's a she's a clutch kind of player, yeah. Um, yep. I think, yeah, those clutch players are more important than I'd rather have a clutch player than a player that's hitting home runs or a player that's even – even I'd rather a clutch player who's hitting 250 as opposed to a 400 hitter because when you need them, that's when they step up mm. and not much, not much affects them. Um, well, the next question is probably easier. Why do you wear number 87? Ah, that's easy. This is the year I, born, I was born. So when I played my first state team, they asked me what number I wanted, and I wanted eight. So I was born on um, the eighth, and I wanted eight. My good old best mate, Katie Gaynor, had eight. Um, so I couldn't Katie. take that one, Katie. And my next option was a number five, because um, that be, that had been my under-16 state 
girls team number and Narelle Gostre had number five. And I was like, okay, well, I can't take that. Gossie's got that one. Again, um, one of our Aussie players back in the day. And so I was like, well, I'll go with the year I was born. Two numbers kind of looks good. Um, and now I just love the look of the two numbers on the back. So I it's think I could only... Number. Thanks, mate. I think I could only go uh, a two-number number ever because I think it just it fills out the, the back a little bit better than just the singular digit. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, my first number, I wanted 44 for, for Hank Aaron and that was gone. And then uh, I just went, who was 44? Oh, uh, well, back when I was in Provincials. Uh, um, right, right, okay. Yep, 2002, yep. it was Paula Finch, I think. Yes. Or was yeah, it yeah, Paula right. Papp? Someone had 44. Yeah. And I was like, oh, crap. So I just went to my next favourite player. It's interesting how... Yeah, right. Craig it's interesting Mate. how the, the numbers just become part of who you are as a player, though. Like, you know, come on, 8-7. Like, that number becomes more of, of who you are and you really get to love that number. It's a really yeah, cool Yeah, and it's funny because I've played – Sam and I played cricket for so many years and we started calling out numbers in cricket and everyone would go, what is are that you a, doing? Is that not a thing? It's not a thing in cricket. You don't call <laughs> You're out – You've got to num- start a new trend or they've got to be like, who oh, are no. these guys? Bubble gum or seeds? Seeds, 100%. 100%. Love making a mess in the dugout. Bubble gum, you always have to spit out before you go out bat anyway because it just gets in the way. Yeah, love seeds. Socks up or down? All right, so I used to be a, a, a low pants, like a long pants player. Yes, Last three, two years, probably maybe a bit more. Um, pants up, high socks all the way. The freedom that I've uh, <laughs> that I've discovered in being able to – I mean, I've never been a fast runner, but I just have this freedom. Oh, and you I know run during, faster. Oh, thanks, mate. It's definitely yeah. the high pants. Oh, I did it. Yeah. That's why I maintain I only got slower. Is I don't think I, I run my... faster. I've gotten yeah. slower for sure. I've never no, been I, fast. I wore high pants in my first two World Cups, and I reckon that's why. Not because I was younger. <laughs> Stolen I... bases that you were taking those. But even I know whenever we do like our warm-ups and we do knees to chest sort of warm-up, the girls who have high pants always go, ah, oh, and we're getting caught up in our pants. But, yeah, I've, I've mixed it up now that I only do – only do the high pants but it used to be that I couldn't do high pants with my leggings because where the seam sits on the pants is kind of where one of your legging straps sits and it starts to cut in after a while so sometimes that can be a bit of a nuance nuisance um baseball superstition and it's not is it if it's choosing the whitest pair of pants every game or that was one of them mate (laughs) um generally left sock left uh cleat left legging on first I just can't do it. I'm just... I mean, I have other things in terms of my, I suppose, routine with my at-bats, you know, gloves, all that sort of rubbish stuff. But that becomes more of a habit or of a routine rather than a, a superstition. I think it starts off... But we were... I mean, sometimes at Nationals we would do... And I'm sure you and I did it as roommates too, but we would do the craziest superstitious stuff. You know what baseball's like? If we'd won a game at Nationals you got to sit at the same spot for breakfast. You've got to have the same thing for breakfast. Same and God seat on forbid, the bus. Same seat on the bus. If you're in the dugout, you're getting hits, same spots. Like, it's just silly. Like, it can go really overboard. And it can, mm. in a way, I suppose, be bad. Because then when it doesn't work, <laughs> you're relying on that rather than, hey, look, I'm good enough that I, we can win this game. We're good enough we can win this game. We don't need to be sitting at the exact same spot for breakfast. But that's the stuff that we would do all the time. Yeah. No, you're right. It's... um. <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't have any superstitions, I don't think. I just put on. So yeah. is it would it infuriate you that I put on socks on the weekend for my game and I, they actually are labelled left and right and I put them on right or left? and just Why went, would you do that? Yeah, well, so joke's on me because I left them and then I got a blister for the first time, I reckon, in living Because you got your on socks on the wrong feet. <laughs> the left and the right got me. Um, what baseball equipment or baseball clothing do we have far too much of and when uh, i mean when i mean far too much i mean not enough so mine is hats yeah of course yours is hats i mean i've had lots of hats throughout the year but um having just moved into my into my new place not that long ago and i was going through some of my things 
um, training shirts, unbelievable <laughs> amount of training shirts throughout the year. And some of them <clears throat> I'm looking at with memories like, oh, I can't get rid of this. This is the shirt that <laughs> I, you know, we had to do polls in that night because for whatever, like there's some stories attached to them and I have a real, but I, but I did get rid of them. I had to, they were, I didn't have enough room for them. So yeah, training shirts I think is unbelievable the amount I had. Because each state team, each club team, each Australian team, we'd always get new sets oh, of training shirts and I would just hoard them. Um, so I think I needed to trade more when I was away at um, World mm. Cups and World Series. But trading more, then I get other players training tops. So it's the same problem really. But yeah, definitely training tops, Amac. <laughs> Um, and I guess last last question, best bit of advice you've ever been given? Um, just to work hard. I don't think anything comes, anything good comes without hard work. Um, I think things align for you when you do work hard. Um, yeah, so put your head down, knuckle down and do what needs to be done for the team, I suppose. I love it. Well, thank you. I know you and I could just honestly talk. This was us, uh, Venezuela 2010, when we couldn't sleep because we were excited about our game tomorrow and we'd just be analysing the game we'd had that day, talking about players, like teenagers that are sleepover excited, but we'd just be talking baseball all night. Yes. <laughs> and we're like, we need to go to sleep. We've got a game in the morning. <laughs> and we would, we'd talk until God knows what hour in the morning. And just so the listeners know, we'd fall asleep and then we'd wake up to the sounds of Tani's ringtone on her phone, which was Walking Dead. Oh, my God. I forgot. And it was when Walking Dead had just the started walk- and it was fucking scary. I can't believe you remember that. And the Walking Dead the me. theme song. Every yes, day. That's right. And you never woke up. And oh, of course not. Going, you would have been waking up before me. Yeah, 100%. Wowee. There you go. I do recall that Walking Dead theme song. Yes. That, sh- that show went to rubbish too after a while. I gave up on that. Oh, big time. Got to, yeah. <laughs> um, no, look, I just wanted to say thank you. It was a privilege to play with you it was fucking brutal to play against you but a privilege and it's been so awesome to watch you since i've retired and continue on like your name is just one of the best in not australian women's baseball australian women's sport and world's women's baseball it's just i'm so proud of what you've done and i'm just in awe of everything and i just want to say thank you for everything you've done for the sport continue to do and i hope that we've got many more years left of you thanks mate in any capacity. <laughs> Thanks, mate. It was awesome to be on. And, um, yeah, so many so many good memories. And, I mean, especially with, like, the Venezuela kind, I think it's kind of – we knew – I know yourself and I because we used to talk about it. We knew at the time how special it was. You know, sometimes mm. you have an experience and it's not till later that you think back and you think, wow, that was really magic. But I think I know yourself, myself, Brooke, Katie, um, some of the other players, Sam – we're really aware at the time of how magic it was because um, we used to talk about it at the time, like, oh, my God, this is happening. Mm. You know what I mean? So, but, yeah, a lot of the memories I'm left with from baseball, words pale in comparison to with what I'm left with. So, yeah, it's really cool to try and put things into words, but I don't think we, I always um, can do it justice. No, well, you've done it today. I think we could keep talking and I think people would still keep listening. But Oh, would they? They've probably tuned out half an hour ago when we're rambling, buddy. <laughs> if you're still listening now and you have got to this point, message me well done well done and we'll give you something we'll give you one of tani's old training shirts oh mate you can i will give you a guided tour on my training shirts you can choose the ones you want a hundred percent if you're still listening now hit us up yep that's a guarantee i'll I'll post it out to you (laughs) do i get one don't send me a new south wales one yeah that's what i was gonna send you know this congratulations on your atlanta braves win i am an astros fan amy i was thinking of you during that long very long 
time coming. I was thinking of you during that time. <laughs> <as well. laughs> it was um, probably for different reasons. I'm sure <laughs> it was. I thought, oh yeah, that was. I still can't believe it happened. I didn't think we'd um. Nah. I still thought when Max Reed got his legs stepped on, oh, that was it. That was it. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I was hopeful, but um. I started going on for, for the Astros. We're just probably rambling. Do we need to wrap it up and um, yeah, I'll stop it. And then you and I can chat. <laughs> yeah, I'll stop it and then I can hang on the computer. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Women's Baseball, The Inside Pitch. I really hope you liked today's episode. And if it was your first, welcome. But make sure you go back and listen to some of the earlier episodes with some of the great names and stories from women's baseball all around the world. Catch you next time.